right. Well, here we are. Welcome to another week on Twitter Spaces here on Cap and Trade. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Texans Cap. You can call me TC or Cap for short. Uh, we have Brandon Scott with Sports Radio 610 joining us tonight. And if you're new to the show, new to our Spaces discussion, we generally talk about the Texans, but we're open to questions about the league, salary cap contracts, anything else on your mind. We'll be going for about 45 minutes up to an hour tonight. There's a mic button on the bottom left of your screen, which will allow you to request speaking rights. So just hit that button and get in the line. I'll try to give you a heads up. I'll call out your name before I send over the speaking rights to you, and we'll go one at a time. Please note the Spaces event is recorded and will be redistributed via podcast later this week. And if this is your first time joining us, you know, I have uh, some talking points that we'll, we'll hit up, but we'll also definitely welcome as many uh, questions as we can get to, you know, the listener-driven show. So, if, like I said, if you put your request in, just uh, hang tight. We'll get to everybody as best we can. So, with that, well, let's get going. And, um, like I said, we've got Brandon Kyle Scott from Sports Radio 610, Rising Star over there. Brandon, thanks for joining us, buddy. Oh man, I, I appreciate you for having me. I, I enjoy listening to these, uh, you know, especially when I can. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to be on, man. I appreciate you for having me. Yeah, no. So we'll just we'll just start off right at the top with the uh, the game against Indianapolis. Just kind of wanted to get your initial high level thoughts on the on the game. Yeah, I, I just the you know the disappointing part about it, you know, just bird's eye view is that you come off a game against New England where you're facing Bill Belichick's defense, you know, your rookie quarterback versus theirs, and you see Davis Mills seem to take some steps. I mean, it wasn't a great game, but you saw him take some steps, uh, make some progress, and that was a game that, you know, a couple of different things go your way. Um, You know, you don't have a penalty at the end of that game that shoots you in the foot. Don't make maybe some coaching decisions at the end of that game um, that set you behind a little bit. That's a winnable game for you. Um, and so in Indianapolis, I, I wasn't expecting them to win the game. Um, and I don't know if I expected it to be particularly close, um, but I did expect it to be more competitive than it was. You know, bottom line, when your offense, uh, you know, when you can't get a touchdown, you can only score three points. Um, you know, that's not a good offense, um, bottom line. Um, and so, you know, the most disappointing part about it for me was just how unwatchable it was. You know, it was unwatchable at times. Um, I, I thought that Davis Mills, for the most part, you know, aside from the interception, you know, still showed himself to be, uh, you know, capable. Um, I, I don't buy into him being, you know, some kind of long-term solution at quarterback. But I think he showed himself again to be capable, even in the mistakes that he made. Uh, but you look at the team overall, and, I mean, we talked about this, and, and I listen to you guys talk about this every week. You know, this is just not a talented team. You know, when it comes down to it, um, you know, I'm listening to, the, you know, the guys on Sports Radio 610, my colleagues, just talk about the basics of this team, like the defense, as scrappy as the defense has been. You know, I think the defense in a lot of ways is overperformed, but, I mean, they can't even play cover two, you know, against, uh, you know, against Carson Wentz and, and the Colts, and, and that was a lot of where the action was, uh, breakdowns in the simplest of cover two defense. Uh, so, so generally just disappointed in the fact that it was unwatchable football, aside from the fact that I had already expected them to lose the football game. Yeah, the cover two part, you know, this, the confusion in the safety group between Reed and, and Lonnie Johnson, or 
at some point, uh, Terrence Brooks before he was injured, yeah. just, and you heard, you heard Coley say it yesterday on, on Monday, yesterday, that they're still looking for the right combination in the safety groups, which doesn't bode well for, for Lonnie Johnson. But right. I mean, you cover two generally the primary responsibility for the safety is not let anybody get behind you. And right. that happened more often than not. And so whether, you know, that it seems like we thought in the beginning of the season, Lovey Smith, I think his goal was to try to keep things simple and be good at the simple things versus trying to be a, a dis, you know, disguising type of defense and rolling coverages and creating different looks. It seemed like he wanted to create a strong base model and just be good at the, the simple stuff and then work it in from there. And I don't know if, as he works it in, it's just it just seems to be getting worse week to week to week for the defense. The front the front group is still holding, you know, they're doing okay, but the back end it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. This time we saw Desmond King sit down and Vernon Hargraves get a primary get a majority of the snaps on the on the outside with Terrence Mitchell on the other side. So I it I don't know what the team's expectation is to be able to get any kind of communication cohesiveness in the secondary when you're just constantly rotating players from game to game to game. And either they need to make a decision and stick with a group for, you know, at least two games, three games, let them kind of build some communication rapport. But I, I mean, it just seems like it's a tryout week to week to week at this point. And it's like you said, sometimes it gets a little difficult to watch. Sometimes you're trying to figure out who's out there and it, I just, I'm having trouble as week, as each week goes by, I'm having trouble finding what the direction is of this team going forward. Well, I, the, the situation with the cornerbacks and the, and the defensive backs, it just speaks to the point I made about the talent issue and the fact that none of them are good. Like there are, there are no good options. You know, you're moving Desmond King from slot to outside. You know, he's your nickel. You're moving him to outside, and he's horrible outside, and he's replacing Vernon Hargraves. So yeah, you bring Vernon Hargraves back in there because at least he's, you know, a guy that you that that you felt like could could play out there or had played out there before. You know, it's, it's you're basically circling circling the wagons or or running in place. So yeah, I mean, as far as the direction of the team, I mean, you see the direction of the team with the moves that were made this week and and just. <laughs> The fact that, you know, we're talking about, you know, circling your wagons, jogging in place, no talent on the roster, and the fact that they're, you know, we already knew this was a rebuild, but through the moves that they're making, like, during the season, in season, and with a trade deadline approaching, you can imagine what that's going to look like. It's it's really starting to sort of, sort of manifest itself into what we've been saying it is, uh, you know, a, a flat-out rebuild. Yeah, and you're we're starting to see the effort level, especially in the second half. They just seem demoralized once they get into the third quarter. But you're starting to see effortness drop even early in the game. You you see players like David Johnson just whiffing on blocks. You see, I was watching, I was looking at uh, Matt Weston this evening was posting up some clips and just Justin McCray and Titus Howard on zone schemes just have no chance whatsoever. They, they are no communication between the two of them. They look completely lost when, when they're going out and searching for the second level or searching for the first level, for that matter. They can't even figure get their assignments correctly. So it just 
it's starting to the wear of not winning games. You were hoping this would not, you know, the team would maintain some positivity and some effort at least halfway through the season. And we're art, we're six games in and we're already seeing that, that effort level go down. And then couple that with what you mentioned with the moves with releasing Whitney Merciless and Andre Roberts, you know, I, I don't truly know the reason behind Whitney Merciless release it, you know, by all accounts, based on what he said to the media today, that it was a mutual decision. You know, he obviously probably wants to play on a team that has a, a shot at making a run before he finishes up his career. And he's, you know, he'll be able to go play for the minimum salary somewhere else this year. And Andre Roberts, we all know exactly why that was a release. I mean, there's just no, the performance was bad. Kick returns were bad, fumbles, injuries, just. You know, it was just a poor allocation of, of salary cap dollars to begin with with that signing. And so it seems like it's a combination of, you know, are these type of veterans going to continue to carry the message that Coley and Casario want in the locker room? And if, if you're not going to carry that message, then they're probably just going to go ahead and move on sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's one thing to carry a message, and it's another thing to go out there and, and to flat out dog it on the football field, you know. And, and David Johnson, as a, just as an example, you know, somebody who's always going to say the right things and carry the message. But and and for, for what it's worth, I, I, I want to point out David Johnson in the past has been good in pass protection. Like it's been one of the few things that I feel like he's done decent since he got here. You know, even though he's, he hasn't been a very good running back. And then that's the one thing, you know, that's just effort. That's just, you know, a want to. Uh, you know, just talking about picking up a safety blitz, something as simple as that, you know, and, and not doing that and, and the effort, you know, and, and these clips are out there. I'm pretty sure most of the, the audience has seen that. But the, the, the lack of effort there, you know, I mean, that, that, that's entirely different from, you know, what they say in front of the media and, and just whatever the locker room message is. You know, that, that's, you know that, that's an intangible example of, of them not, you know, following whatever this culture lip service is that they've, that they've tried to peddle to us, you know, like, like that, that can't be it, you know? So, I don't know what I mean, I, I just, I, I look at it and think, you know, with the Whitney Merciless release, <laughs> it, no, no one is crying for Whitney Merciless, right? Like he got paid a lot of money. It's probably long overdue for him to be released, but you look and you think, well, why this guy, not the one of the most obvious ones from the previous game when you look at Indianapolis where, you know, a, a drive killer, you know, push your court, your young quarterback in jeopardy by not putting in a maximum effort. I mean, and this is a guy who's supposed to be at the time a captain, one of the leaders on the team. I mean, you would think that this would be the guy that you would want to move on from. You've got a surplus of guys at that position. I mean, you got five running backs and and really and one of them is, is any good. And then you've got one out there who's not even giving you effort. Yeah, and then the the younger one who could potentially bring some juice to the field's not even getting a shot. So I don't know what Scotty Phillips has to do to to see game day beyond. I mean, he saw game day or he was active one time this week, but he didn't play. So I don't know what it's going to take for him to see the field. I it just I don't know. Or better better yet, not even just what is it going to take for him. Like, like, what is it that he has to do? But what do the other guys have to do to get benched? Like, to the point about David Johnson. Like, if he's not released, like, why why is he not benched? 
You know, what is what is Rex Burkhead's utility on the roster? You know, uh, and then Philip Lindsay. You know, every play to Philip Lindsay, for the most part, I know there. You know, it seems like he's he's gotten a play here and there, but for the most part, every play to Philip Lindsay seems like a bad idea. Like, what do those guys have to do to get sat down? And that's the that's that's the question. I don't know the answer to. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a fair point. And, Lin- and Lindsay. I mean, he had the thirty-five yard run, and then six attempts after that for four yards total. So he just. Uh, he he ha- doesn't seem to have any confidence when he's looking for the lanes and they're not opening up for him. Obviously, the run blocking is just, just bad, as we mentioned before. So, yeah, just overall, it's just getting tough to watch, like you talked about, you know, and you've seen the changeovers in the in the defense. You know, you see players like Zach Cunningham, who played, I think, 14 snaps on the defense this, t- this past week and down, you know, that's roughly 25% of the defensive snaps. He's coming off the field quite a bit. And the team has Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who's due back off of injured reserve any time now. He's already returned to practice for a week now. So it, it begs the question, if he comes back, does the team move on from Cunningham like they did with Merciless, either a release or if they can find somehow somebody to take that contract off their hands for a, a future seventh-round pick maybe would be the, the ultimate goal. But, I mean, it just – like you mentioned, the trade deadline's coming up, and a lot of these veterans from the previous regime, I'm sure, are all going to be available. I, I would imagine the whole roster is more or less available, except for a couple of the 2021 draft picks and and Jonathan Nard. They better not better not mess with him at all. <laughs> He's about the only bright light on this defense here lately. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, Grenard definitely seems like he's got some some job security, and I, I would just, I would just echo what you said. Like everyone who was here in 2019, like anyone who was on the team in 2019, you have to feel like they like they want to get out of here, right? Like it, whether they should be traded or like you got to figure out those are guys that want to be gone. And there is no player on the team that's untradeable at this point. I mean, especially when you think about it in the background, the fact that the best player on the team is not on the team, essentially, and, and will be traded. Um, when, when you get in a situation like that with your roster, then everyone else is tradable. Like, like Laramie Tunsil's usefulness on the team is directly tied to what? You know, like, why was he brought? Why, why did they trade? the whole world for Laramie Tunsil to begin with, right? Well, that no longer even applies. You know, you know, you could argue you might want to keep him for your next franchise quarterback. But, like, everything everything that this roster was predicated on or all of the leftovers from what this roster used to be predicated on uh, does not apply anymore. So, like, Zach Cunningham, uh, Laramie Tunsil, Brandon Cooks, all the really good players or who you thought were good players or highly paid players, you figure are our trade candidates. It comes down to that question, and I really would more so love to know what you think of of what what a trade market really would even be for for Zach Cunningham, because I don't feel like I have a good uh, handle for it. Well, specifically for Cunningham, and we mentioned I think in the past couple of shows, the team tried to trade him right at the end of the preseason before regular season started. I believe Cunningham asked for his trade, if if my information is correct. And they couldn't get any bidders, and I think the team wasn't prepared to eat any more of that contract than they already have. And so, at this point, his trade value is probably zero. I mean, it would have to, you would hope 
that you would hope a, a, a potential trade suitor would have some type of injury at the position that would open up a possibility of getting a trade. But at that point, it's it's going to be just a, a late day three, like a 2023 seventh round pick that's conditional to where it might not even turn into trade, trade capital, basically just get the salary off off of the team's books. That would be the ultimate goal. I mean, it's the the trade value for Cunningham is near zero. Tunsil, uh, he obviously has some trade value. Even with the injury, he should be coming back from injury right around right around the trade deadline. I think they said four weeks, which is a week after the trade deadline. I had been saying Brandon Cooks wasn't a trade candidate because he's a major carrier of the of the locker room message. But at this point, what what does he what does he bring to the table that you need this year? You don't need anything from him this year, and he's going to be a free agent in 2023. So it might be worth considering moving moving him for draft capital. You know, same with Lonnie Johnson. I you know I I was hoping that he would really come to come into his own and you know really become that top t- you know really strong safety in case Justin Reed moves on to another team next year. But it seems like he's kind of on the outskirts with the team here and there, and then. Charles Amenehu, another talented player who just cannot seem to meld with this front office, with this team, with the team message, you know, tweeting during halftime, during the game. And, you know, it just seems like he's also has some added, some potential attitude issues with the, with the front office and front with the team. So maybe he's a trade candidate. And it just seems like, like you said, the, the whole roster is touchable more or less. And except for a few couple, a few players, like we mentioned, and I, you know, the limiting factor for trades this year across the league is going to be limited cap space on other rosters, especially the the teams that are then the playoff contention. So, players like Amenahue, Lonnie Johnson, they're even Laramie Tunsil because he's on a base, he's on a minimum salary this year. So those kind of players, their trade value should go up a little bit just based on the fact that their salary is so cheap this year compared to someone like a Zach Cunningham or a Brandon Cooks. So. It should be could be a potentially busy time for the next couple of weeks for the team. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I think, I think it's a, it's, it's fire sale time. Um, you know, especially, especially when you see who they're the guys that they're releasing um, and, and where they are with the roster. All right, well, we'll jump over here to a question before we get back to some other talking points. So, Mister uh, Corey Barrett, we will send you some speaking rights. All right, Corey, go ahead, buddy. What you got? Hello, Corey. Oh, maybe Corey stepped away. One, two, three. Come on, Corey. All right, well, we're moving. Corey, you can submit your request if you get back in here. Um, another option, another thing I wanted to take a look at was um, – you know, the offensive line. Oh, man. My goodness. Let's take a look at it. McCray just looked horrible at yeah. center. It, it was just, I mean, he can't, definitely on the zone plays, he can't get out and he can't get, can't get out and move on the zone run schemes. He's just getting overtaken at center. I mean, it it just looked bad. He looked lost next to Tidy Howard, Titus Howard. And, you know, we saw we saw news today that they're going to sign the center from the Oakland Raiders off of the practice squad, Jimmy Morrissey. I don't know if that's a sign, A, of Justin Britt's 
injury timeline if it's extended out further? I mean, I never really did hear any initial reports on his time frame yeah, for no, injury. It, you know, it's just a, it was just a knee. And, yeah. and you remember last week, it was real sort of vague about, you know, the severity of it, what exactly it was. And then, you know, we asked, we asked about him not practicing. And so uh, we're not worried about him not practicing. He's played a lot of football. And then he's not even able to travel for the game. That so, is a bit concerning if they're being that vague yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 obviously the you know for I'm pretty sure all the listeners are aware you know Justin Britt has the the injury history. Didn't play football last year. The last time you know he was a part of a team was recovering from a from a knee from a serious knee injury. Um, and I and I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't even know if it's the same knee. Like it's it's all it's all really uh, really wor- kind of you know worrisome considering that you know this was. This is one of the few offensive linemen. He and Laramie Tunsil were, I guess, the only ones who were performing, I would say, at even a, a bare minimum sort of level. Um, and, and, yeah, and Justin McCray is not it as far as uh, as far as far a replacement. So, um, and, and I don't know if you know, noticed this on Monday. I tried to be as delicate as I could with the question of when I asked David Cully about the offensive line. Like, is, is this it? Like, is this your – is this what you guys are going to go with? I mean, um, and then, you know, it kind of came down to at least his answer was, you know, we don't really have a lot of options. We only have a lot of places to go. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's looking rough on, on, you know, on the offensive line. Um, well, we'll say yeah, Charlie Heck was a, Charlie Heck looked decent out there on the right side. You know, he's holding up his own on pass blocking. He, he made some decent moves on the run blocking. He was able to get out to the second level a little bit, but, you know, it doesn't look like doesn't look like they're going to give Howard a shot at left tackle. They're just going to keep Christian out there. And another bullet, another bullet point I had written down here was, I'm wondering if Titus Howard is could potentially get benched. I mean, the, we saw Lane Taylor elevated up this past week, and he he played guard under James Campen in Green Bay for quite some time. So, you know, it begs the question. It wouldn't shock me at all at this point to see Howard benched for for someone like Lane Taylor, you know, for a week or two and see what happens. Maybe that's a reality check for Howard. Maybe, who knows? Maybe maybe Howard becomes a trade candidate, you know, and he's just not another player. Is just not fitting in with this this culture, this this rebuild. So, yeah. it's well, he. I mean, he, he absolutely should be benched at guard, right? I mean, if if I. I don't know if, if you tell me if you agree with this, but I feel like we've seen enough of Titus Howard to say that, you know, that, that, that guy's a tackle, you know, like either, either he's playing tackle or he's benched at guard, you know, um, I, I, I've seen kind of seen enough. I, I like the, you know, the, I sort of the idea, or at least I was sold on it, you know, talking to, uh, to, to Wade Smith who, who played, you know, all, all of the positions along the offensive line, especially left guard here. Um, but, it has not looked good with Titus Howard there. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him bench at guard. He, he probably should be. Yeah, it, it, he, yeah, and he's graded out as one of the lowest guards across the league. So it's just not, it's just not pretty looking there. I, the effort level is going down each week. He doesn't seem to understand his assignments. He's turning his shoulders the wrong way. He's picking the wrong blocker. It just, it just looks very, very poor week in, week out. Uh, got a good group in here. So if you have any questions, you know, hit that request button on the bottom left corner. We'll hit you up, you know, send your question in, or you can, uh, my DMs are open on Twitter as well. So if you don't, if 
you're if you'd rather not speak and you want to submit your question that way, feel free to uh, to send it in on uh, on DM to my Twitter account. We'll take a look at it that way. So, wanted to talk about look like uh, Nico so Collins. Hello, Brandon. Uh oh, technical difficulty. Oh, well, he had to go on mute. Well, we'll continue on. So, you know, I was going to talk about Nico Collins. We'll wait for Brandon to, to come back. But uh, like I said, if anybody has any questions, don't hesitate to uh, send it in and we'll we'll answer them through. So we did uh, – we'll talk about the releases from earlier today. So we had the Whitney Merciless release. He had a guaranteed salary of $4.5 million. So we'll have a little salary cap 101 here. So – he was scheduled to earn $10.5 million in cash this year. That was scheduled to be all salary this year before they restructured. So they restructured $6 million of that $10.5 million, which converted, into a salary, converted, converted it to a signing bonus and spread that money out over the last three years of the contract. So it lowered his salary cap charge, lowered his salary cap charge by... I think uh, three point three point eight million, if my memory, or three point nine million. So that was the initial savings back in March when they redid the uh, redid the contract. Now, when the player when he's released, his salary is fully guaranteed. So that four point five million stays on the cap, and that prorated bonus for this year, which is three three point five million. So that's an eight million dollar dead money charge that's going to stay on the cap this year. There is an additional remaining prorated amount of $7 million that's over in 2022. That will stay on the 2022 salary cap. So it's $15 million in dead money between the two years. If Whitney Merciless signs with another team this year, which would presumably be for the, the, the bare minimum, which would be a prorated $1.075 million, the team would earn a cap credit in 2022 on any cash that he had earned earned in 2021. So that's how that would work. You know, it's you know he's a vested veteran. Plus, he had guaranteed salary. So there's you know there's nothing the team can do about getting out of it. Same with Andre Roberts. He had a one get fully guaranteed 1.5 million dollar salary this year, and that stays on the cap along with the. Uh, 500,000 prorated sign-in bonus. And then there's an additional 500,000 next year that'll stay on the cap. So it's the same thing for Roberts. Any cash that he earns with another team, which would be considered offset to the salary that Houston is scheduled to pay him for the rest of the year, then they'll get that cap credit in 2022. So that's how that'll play out. So, going forward, you know, we have the trade deadline in two weeks. We spoke about that a little bit. We're also looking at, uh, we saw Nico Collins return this week. You know, played a good good set of snaps. Chris Connolly went down with injury, so that, you know, definitely ensured Nico Collins getting a little more playing time, and it's something that uh, desperately needed for this uh, for this team, you know, to have some youth out there playing. 
and you know he had a very good week you know he played he had 43 snaps he had a good uh good offensive grade you know all things considering 67.7 when it came to uh to his pff grade so you know that's that's definitely what the team needs he had six targets you know 44 yards receiving let me get you back in here brandon So he had 44 yards receiving, you know, and it's it's exciting to see him back. He's he's a you know a potential bright light going forward, kind of like we talked about with Jonathan Gennard. Uh, Brandon, you got speaking rights back. You just got to take yourself off mute. You back? Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm not sure what happened. Just I just lost sound there. Ah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about Nico Collins. You know, it's good to see him back on the field. Um, you know, at six targets, four receptions, 44 yards receiving. You know, he – I think he's – uh, you know, him and Davis Mills spent a lot of time working together during training camp, you know, with since Collins essentially started out with the second string in training camp. So, it seems like they really built up a good rapport all through training camp, and that carried over – carried over to what we saw last night. So, it's definitely good to see him back. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that – he kind of immediately established himself, you know, just in a game and basically a game in a quarter is probably their second best receiver off, off the rip. And, you know, one of the things that I thought that were, at least I noticed where they missed him. And, and I didn't necessarily notice it a lot in, in this past game with him back, but I definitely noticed it with him gone and from his time before was that he, he seemed to be their most willing and capable run blocker outside of, you know, for the for the skill position players, like outside of the linemen and the tight ends, and, and maybe even in some cases you would include the tight end, um, as bad as they were blocking, especially early on in the season. So, um, and I know you know no, no one probably wants to you know talk about a wide receiver that you traded up for uh, for necessarily his run blocking, but you know it is an element of his of his game that that could easily be overlooked, but probably shouldn't be especially when you consider that this is a team that, you know, when you talk about their offensive line and their block, their run blocking, it's not just the line, like just as a, as a unit, they, they've been sort of, sort of bad overall, not, not as bad. I don't think uh, maybe in the last game, but bad overall um, for the season. So I think getting him back helps there as well. And then I just echo what you mentioned about the chemistry with Davis Mills and, you know, again, just the fact that I mean, think about the the fact that they just they were struggling to find any kind of chemistry with anyone at, at one point when when all of these guys had gone down, and it was basically just Brandon Cooks and 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 Anthony Miller out there, and and you really had had nothing. So uh, and so, Nico Collins is you know obviously a player that you know you can look at right now someone who could be productive for you for whatever the rest of the season is worth somebody who can be you know worth watching or you know a watchable football player and someone who figures to be part of part of the future whether that's with davis mills or whatever quarterback you end up getting yeah and so we'll stay on the quarterback topic we got a couple of questions in on uh on the twitter dm so from jay mills so with the 2022 draft class looking iffy would they re-sign Tyrod or look for another vet? And that's a that's an interesting question because, yeah. A, 
I'm I'm fine with re-signing Tyrod. I have no issues with that. But the injury history that continues on what we're seeing right now, and it sounds like the hamstring is not as close as they initially thought it was going to be with the three to four weeks. It, it Coley makes it sounds like he still has a little ways to go. So that's my only concern with with having with re-signing Tyrod if they opted not to to draft a, a quarterback early in the 2022 draft. And I would agree with you, as of right now, the, the draft class for quarterbacks does not look promising. But as we know, with college, anything can change in the, in the matter of weeks. But I would, at this point, I would be fine with signing Tyrod. Wouldn't hurt my feelings either way, you know, keeping him or letting him walk on. But you have to bring in another another veteran at that point, whether it's uh, if Jameis Winston leaves New Orleans or – um, kind of blanking out on on the available quarterbacks out there, but I mean, you you've got to have some type of veteran leadership here. And if Coley is still the head coach, it it seems like Tyrod would make the most sense from a familiarity standpoint. And he seems to be he seems to do well with Coley. He seems to do well with Casario. He's a very even killed player. You know, seems to be a good leader in in the locker room, but he's not highly vocal. You know, does his job, comes in doesn't make any noise and does exactly what the team needs. So and to me, it seems like he's probably the most likely candidate to be resigned when you're looking at quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in favor of it. Like I, I've been saying this for, you know, I, I would say even going back to maybe even going back to, to, to the Carolina game, you know, when, <laughs> when I first you know, got my first look at Davis Mills, thought oh man i miss i miss tyrod <laughs> i miss tyrod already you know uh but but you know i'm actually in, in favor of of signing to, of signing tyrod and bringing in uh, you know bringing in a veteran or or if you did you know go out and get one of these quarterbacks maybe not in the first round i don't think that there's a quarterback at all that's worth drafting in the first round from what i've seen so far now, certainly there will be. There will probably be more than one, if if you know the trends of the previous years, you know, kind of kind of stay with what they with what it's been. But but no, I'm I'm in favor of it. I think that you know just in the you know a, a game and a half of what you saw from Tyrod, you know he's he's a more than capable starter, you know, um, and I think probably more of the perfect bridge quarterback. Um, I also, I also like the idea. As corny as this might sound, I also like the idea of of Tyrod and Davis Mills like competing for the job. You know, like like one one part about the the quarterback narrative that's kind of annoyed me is just making Davis Mills the starter so you can self scout. Where whereas you know, I like the idea of keeping Tyrod, ma- making that your starter. And then, like truly allowing Davis Mills an opportunity to 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 to, to win that job, you know, um, if, if he's good enough, which you know, I, you know, there's probably some different opinions on whether he is, but and, and I don't necessarily think that he is, but but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm in favor of keep, keeping Tyrod around, especially if he's going to play the way that 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 he has. I'm curious about the injury. You mentioned the injury part. I'm very very curious about how they're playing that, you know, if this is, if, if there's a little politics going on, if they're holding Tyrod back a little bit to, 
I mean, buy a little more time with Mills. Right. To buy a little bit more time with Mills, you know. Um, I can see I, that. I am curious about that. I, 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 but you know, obviously, I don't have anything solid to say that that's for sure what it is. But I'm, I'm suspicious of it. So, um, I mean, because I, I mean, I've seen Tyrod. You, you see Tyrod around, and you're like, yeah, of course, you don't know what's going on with his body, you know. But you're like, huh. Seems like that. Seems seems fine. Seems, <laughs> he's not, seems he's like not he, limping. He's okay. Seems, seems like he could go. Um, so, uh, but I mean, but but in all seriousness, you know, I, I I do feel like that he's probably their their best option at quarterback. But 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 everyone's so focused on getting that guy of the future, and he's so clearly not that guy, right? Like he, like you're not recreating, he's not recreating himself or, or becoming like. You know Ryan Tannehill on on you know on his second uh, yeah. stint you know with his second team or whatever it is like he he's where he's at for a reason but I I, I do think that he's fine for you know another year until you find that guy until until you do find a a, a draft class with a quarterback that that's worth taking that that that's actually worth taking with a top you know say ten pick in the draft. Yeah, and another another thing that I would be interested in is, you know, we, there's always that discussion of does Tyrod come back and play this year, even when he's healthy, and, and Coley's been pretty adamant that he's a starter when he's healthy. But I also wonder how his performance would do as compared to the first six quarters that we saw when the team was still excited and had a lot of hope. And now that this team has kind of been mentally beat down after four weeks – I'd be curious to see if the team rebounded as a whole with Tyrod behind court, you know, taking snaps again, or would we see that continue on the same path and Tyrod's numbers kind of come back down to a little more normalcy, what you would normally expect from Tyrod versus what we saw in the first six quarterbacks where he was leading the league in the first six quarters of the year of the season where he's leading the league in QBR and putting up all these fantastic numbers, I wonder if he could continue that same performance with the mental state of this team. And that would yeah. be something that I would be kind of at this point. I'd be just kind of interested just to see what would happen. Yeah, no, that, that is interesting because as as well respected as he is, I mean, to your point, will will losing have taken enough of a toll on the team to where they don't even respond to a leader and to somebody that they respect. Um, I, I I would like to think that they would. I I would be more even even more, more concerned if they would just be worn down. Like maybe not even that that they don't that they don't respond or want to respond well. But but you know just the again like the the emotional and, and physical toll of the season has kind of impacted what he's got around him. Um, and, and I mean for what it's worth, you know there is no Laramie Tunsil out there. You know he is down. In, his Pro Bowl left tackle, um, you know, uh, I, that's an, that's an interest. That's an, that is an interesting idea, an interesting point. I, I will say though, like like hard stop. I, I do still think that he's a better a better player right now, a better quarterback than Davis Mills, and, and, and for that reason alone, I feel like he probably should start. But uh, but then it comes down to you know, how important, how important is winning or, and, and how important is it to even, <laughs> it, it, this is funny to me. This is a conundrum because they talk about competition and, and culture building, <laughs> but how important is it to give the guy 
guy who's better the job, you know, or, or is it more important to self scout and, and look for and look toward the future? You know, I, I think that's just kind of an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. I mean, it, it you just, I mean, it, is it hypocrisy or not? I mean, it's, you know, it, you, the team obviously needs to evaluate Davis Mills, but you also want to win games. I'm sure Coley obviously wants to win games, and I think that's why he's seems to be clearly clearly adamant that Tyrod Taylor's a starter when he's healthy. Just makes you wonder, like we talked, to, like you just brought up before. I mean, is is Tyrod's injury not as bad, or is is it bad? And the team is just kind of playing a little politics and and holding him off just another week or two. Just hey, we need two more weeks to look at Mills. We need two more weeks to look at Mills and and make a decision from there. So we'll see what happens. I mean, at this point, I'm I don't have a preference. I I mean I'm. I, I feel bad for Tyrod just from the, the nature of what the, the, the injuries that he's faced and he's lost his job over and over and over basically from injuries or from <laughs> an invert inverted needle sticking in the lung in the lung like he had last year and yeah. and yeah. so at that just from that aspect I wanna see him play just so he can put his resume out there and if he ends up doing very well and doesn't want to come back then that gives him another opportunity elsewhere. But at the same point on the same side, the team needs to get a full evaluation on Mills. And, you know, they're not, they're not, they're obviously not helping them. They're not putting him in the greatest positions to, to win. But when he has a clean pocket, when he, when he can keep his eyes down the field, he's got, he can make all the throws from, from what, from my vantage point, he yep. can pretty much, pretty much make every NFL throw. He doesn't have just an absolute Josh Allen type cannon, but he can make the throws, he can throw on the run. So there's times where he makes he makes some decisions like every rookie's going to make and he's going to make bad decisions but when he makes the throws it, you you see something there and you're like, "Well, maybe, you know, maybe there's something there and at the at the bare minimum he's he'd just be a fantastic backup going forward." Yeah. So Yeah. It's yeah. you know, it's it's I'm sure I wouldn't be shocked if there's just a little battle going on there between Casario and Coley on on who's going to play. You know, I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to think Cully has the say over the over the forty six man roster, but I'm not entirely sure, and I haven't been able to truly figure out who has the total control over the over the game day forty eight man roster versus we know Casario has full roster control, but does that carry over into the to the forty eight day man the forty eight man roster on game day? So we'll see how that goes going yeah. forward. Yeah, I, I feel I feel pretty certain that he does that it's for the most part, Casario deciding who's on the like I I'd be I'd be very surprised if Cully had kind of any any say so over the over the actual roster. In input, I I shouldn't say say so. He probably has input, but final say, I would imagine that that's uh that that, that that's Casario. Um and yeah. And no I and I would just echo everything you said about Mills. I I think he's a capable I say I said that earlier, you know, that yeah, you did. He showed himself to be to to be capable and you know echo all the point my thing about him and making all the throws and the thing that's frustrating about mills because we saw this in train like we were out there every day from training camp uh with the, with the station and we saw this he absolutely 100 percent can make all the throws every throw every every route like he can hit it um and and like like he, he he's got the physical tools to make every throw it's just that he doesn't make every throw like like he like it's like he can and then he doesn't. He's inconsistent, 
And and I, I like that was one of the things that I've you know liked about the last couple of games is that he seems to have shown a little bit more consistency. Whereas like they talked about him making the bad decisions in the Buffalo game. But he had, he also had a couple of, of throws that were just flat out inaccurate, um, like the you know the throw behind Farrell Brown, in, you know against Buffalo that that you know that was at tw- I guess toward the end of the game, where, where it was already out of hand. But um, you just think about him throwing behind Farrell Brown and underthrowing that ball to to uh, which was also a bad decision, but underthrowing that ball to Anthony Miller, um, that that was thrown in double coverage and. You know, I, 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 I see someone who can and is capable of making all the throws. It's just the consistency that you worried about. And that's, that's probably got a lot to do with experience. You know, the fact that he hasn't played a lot. And, and that's probably why this time is valuable for, for him. Um, but, but definitely see somebody who's capable. I just, I, when, I, when I look at him, I also don't see anyone who's special. So I, it, it's why from the very beginning, even when they drafted him, I thought, you know, and and still think, oh, this is this is probably a high level backup, plug and play starter kind of guy, like a guy who probably can start for you, but you feel better about is you know your backup quarterback. Yeah, he's your backup, so. and like you said, he can come in for a pinch, two games, and kind of keep the ship afloat. But he's not the may not be the long term solution. Uh, so we got one other question in here on on Twitter DM. What does the cap look like cutting? Cunningham, Murray, and Johnson in addition to this week's moves. So Cunningham, like we talked about earlier, you know, his salary is fully guaranteed, so there's really very minimal savings on that, I think, just from whatever per-game roster bonuses that would be left over for the rest of the season. So it'd be a wash on that. Uh, David Johnson, he's got 750000 in per-game roster bonuses throughout, you know, broken up over 17 games so if you released him and his salary is fully guaranteed as well you know you're only going to save i think about three hundred thousand on david johnson i mean there's there's just nothing to be had with these veterans there's there's, you know some of these are just bad contracts and some of these are bad players um cunningham they did a max restructure on him this year, and he does have the per game. So there's there's about two hundred thousand to be saved there. So you're looking at maybe half a million between Cunningham and uh, and David Johnson. Eric Murray's got a hair bit of more flexibility, not much, because part of his salary is guaranteed. He has a five thousand dollar five million dollar base salary. Three point five million of it is guaranteed. So you know you would x off. You know, his he's a vested veteran, so that that salary that salary cap would stay intact as it is. There would just be about a six hundred thousand or about eight hundred thousand dollars in cap savings, and then any money that if he doesn't take termination pay, which obviously he would at five million dollars, that's a one-time benefit for players. They uh, just just for everybody's education. So, if you're a vested veteran, meaning you have four years of experience, if you have a one-time option through your career that if you get released during the season, you can collect your full salary for what is called termination pay, and it has to be submitted by the end of the year. So someone like Eric Murray, who's making $5 million this year, he's going to take that termination pay. There's He's never going he's never gonna to get a contract that's going to offer him $5 million a year again. So there's really not much any savings, like I said, 
about 800,000. So between the three of them, you're looking at maybe a million dollars in cap savings and not much in cash savings. So I think with the, after the moves from the day, I didn't, I haven't put in the Jimmy Morris, Morrissey deal yet. Um, even though he's a veteran, you know, it's just going to be a minimum salary, probably a two year deal. I think it was like $7.2 million on available cap dollars after the Whitney Merciless and Andre Roberts signing. So if you theoretically made those three moves of releasing Johnson, Cunningham, and Murray, you know, you're bumping up to like $8.2 million. So, I mean, sure, the team could do it. Does it really make a huge difference? You know, it's just I think at this point, like we talked about with Merciless in the beginning, is are these guys carrying the message in the locker room? If they are, then – they'll be fine, they'll stay, they'll stay on the roster, you know, and it seems to be more about that than performance in some cases. In some cases, it may just be straight-up performance, but Eric Murray was, you know, his playtime has gone down, you know, that inexcusable contract that O'Brien signed to him out of free agency. It's just, you know, the team, it's going to take some time to get get through some of these bad contracts left over from the O'Brien area. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that, the bad contracts are at this point what factor into the decisions necessarily on whether to keep the guys or not. Like, and, and some people might disagree with that, but no, I don't, I, mean, I, I think you're I, accurate. I, I, I think, I think at this point, because they, I mean, think about this. It, it seems like Nick Casario is very much willing to admit, admit his own mistakes and, and punt on his own mistakes very quickly. I might add, and then, and then, obviously, the mistakes of Bill O'Brien or Jack or whoever you want to, whoever you want to blame for for the things that happened before Nick Casario. I mean, he's not. He's. I mean, he's clearly not married to those ideas and to, to anything that you know. He's, he's. In fact, he's trying to get rid of all of that. And really, at, at, at all costs, at whatever cost. So, um, so when you see one of these veteran players who's either overpaid or or underperforming or both whenever you see them get released or traded you know it's like like obviously you know you want to monitor the financial ramifications of it but it's it's going to be more so a a mixture between what you just mentioned right the the carrying the message of the locker room more so just the i guess the culture fit overall right and then the performance on the field, are they a productive player? And then C, do they want to be here? I think like it, it like say it's, you know, it's a player that they respect. Right. So, so, so like take Brandon Cooks is a perfect example of this is somebody who you, you feel like, Oh, this is somebody that they should clearly trade. Right. But he's also the perfect culture guy is productive, like actually good, a good player. You know, and the last time we heard, anyway, you know, I don't know if this has changed, but the last time we heard, oh, he didn't want to be traded. You know, didn't want to be traded. You know, like like definitively and adamantly wanted to be here. So like he fits into he fits into the into the role of those three. You know, those three characteristics of somebody who, you know, who they wouldn't trade because you know he he fits all three of those, uh, you know, characteristics. But you know, a Zach Cunningham, right? <laughs> That's someone who perhaps, and I think we can almost say for sure, isn't the culture fit that they're looking for, right? Um, talk about on the field. Yeah, he's still, like, fast and athletic, but he hasn't really been good, you know? Um, 
and and then you could, I guess, probably argue that with all of that considered that he's overpaid, you know. So, um, so yeah, so that would be that would be the reason why he would be shown the door one way or the other, you know. You know, we talked about the 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 trade scenario that that wasn't um, before, but you know, one way or another, that's a clear indication of why or reason why they want to get rid of him. Yeah, it's. I mean, just like you said, it's interesting that the team is at the point where contracts is not the driving factor. It's, like you said, three points. There's performance on the field, culture in the locker room, and are you the the player they need you to be in the in the meetings and on the practice yeah. field. To yeah. me, that's the three points of whether or not you're going to stay on this roster or not. Yeah. And uh, to to Corey, who asked about the cap, the cap question on Cunningham, Murray, and Johnson, <laughs> uh, to further clarify when you said no dead cap if they're cut, that – Maybe I missed. Maybe I didn't say it correctly, but there's a ton of dead cap if you release those three players. You're looking at thirteen, fourteen million dollars in dead cap between the three players. I mean, it's about two, about a million dollars in cap savings, but there's going to be thirteen, fourteen million dollars in dead cap if you release those players. Not only this year, but there'll be additional dead cap in 2022 on those players' releases as well. So, looks like we're running up to ten o'clock. I don't see any more questions. A lot of good discussion. That was a really good, really good set of questions. And uh, Brandon, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Um, if if y'all don't, if y'all don't know, Brandon, like I said, is uh, he's on, on the Sports Radio Six Ten team. Are, and uh, other than that, I mean, he's just been, it's been a fantastic. Per, you're filling in, and when he's when he's catching his time on the air, it's been a really fan. I really enjoy listening to you. Y'all, your your questions at the pressers are just phenomenal. I will say that 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 part I, we always definitely look forward to. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on here with us and talk some Texans. Oh no, and we lost Brandon right here at the end. We'll get him back on just to let him say. Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're having some technical difficulties tonight. Yeah, no, I, I th- it's got to be the – I don't know if it's the – I'm at the station. Like, I actually came to the station specifically so this Man. wouldn't happen. Um, uh, because I don't know – just real quick, like, <laughs> when the pandemic first hit, I was having the worst technical difficulties at home, like everybody working from home. Mm-hmm. So I started coming back up to the station, and I was using all of the technology up here just to, you know, troubleshoot. And it was working, man. So, I, you know, I was doing that for you, too, and figured it would work. So – I'm a little surprised, but hey, I, I I appreciate all the kind words, man. It's been this has been a, like a really like fun last couple of years, like just it, just in terms of covering like covering the team and kind of just getting really immersed in it. So like I I've really enjoyed it. I, I get a lot of like compliments about you know about the about asking questions and asking the right questions, man. That's that's the job. So like I'm glad to do that, and I, I appreciate everybody's like support and everything. But like we we're glad to do that. We want to do that. You know, we're genuinely curious about the team and passionate about the team. So, um, so yeah, we're going to – I mean, we're going to be here, come sort of come hella high water, uh, you know, basically to kind of break down whatever's going down. Yeah, no, it sounds wonderful. And, uh, can, you know, like I said, continue the hard work, man, and uh, I'll uh, definitely help to run into your next training camp next year for sure. All right, man, for sure. Looking forward to it. All right, well, we'll – 
close it down for tonight. Another episode of uh, Cap and Trade. Like I said, we had Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 on, and we will be back next week as well. We'll probably dive into uh, a lot of the trade deadline stuff next week. So be sure to come back and join us, and we will shut it down. Thanks, everybody.